the 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Good morning, hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you. In the second segment, we're going to be taking a look at the playoff picture with Jason Radowitz. We had no idea what the Brewers versus Dodgers game was going to do before he wound up coming on for the interview. I figured it was going to be a Dodgers win, and wouldn't you know it, it certainly was. But we're going to be talking to him just about some of these Playoff series are set out there in the American League side of things, what we can expect moving forward, and whether or not the Dodgers and the Yankees have done anything to knock themselves off as the favorites to be able to make the World Series in the final segment. Going to give you a side in total on both games on the MLB betting board for Friday, and something you like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like to answer, write that in my Twitter timeline at GRS41. If you send these via direct message, the letters EM to me mean does not matter. Really didn't get in anything today, but we did have four postseason games that wound up being played on Thursday, one that obviously got rained out, so we're not going to be able to recap that, but let's take a look at those, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. And the first segment of the podcast today is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie, because at MyBookie, they realize sports are back. We're going to have college basketball back in our lives on November 25th. Obviously, the MLB is in full swing with regards to postseason. I give you guys a side in total on both my MLB and college basketball podcast every single day. But with my bookie, they give you so many different options. You get the side in total like I give you on this podcast, but you also wind up being able to make futures wagers when it comes to the NFL, college football. The NHL season just wrapped up, and I'm sure that they're hard at work putting up futures for, like, the NHL Stanley Cup for the upcoming season. You're obviously able to do some in-play betting. When it comes to football, you get a bunch of player props and just interesting exotic wagers that you're able to make. It's absolutely awesome. And to maximize your profits even more, my bookie with your first deposit is going to double it up to $1,000 by using the promo code Greg. That is my name, G-R-E-G. Rollover does apply, but all you need to do is type in that promo code. You get your first deposit up to $1,000 doubled. So a big thanks to them and all that they do for this fine podcast. And a big thanks to the Milwaukee Brewers for making it very easy for the LA Dodgers to be able to survive in advance. 3-0 to zero, the final in this one for the Milwaukee Brewers. They wound up mustering four hits. They went 0-4 with runners in scoring position. It was a nightmare for the team. I mean, Josh Hader came out of the bullpen. He was able to give the team four outs. Adrian Hauser, two solid innings of relief. And for Brandon Woodruff, things were going well until the fifth. That's where he gave up all three of his runs. He was able to punch out nine. And for the LA Dodgers, it's not like they had a vulgar display on offense. This is a bunch that they wound up only leaving three men on base, six total hits. But Clayton Kershaw was masterful. We talk all about his postseason struggles. And certainly, this is a round of the postseason that had never existed before this season. 13 punchouts, eight innings pitch. He gave up three hits and a walk, and then Brasuda Gratal winds up getting the save in this one. So he was absolutely masterful. The Atlanta Braves pitching was great. Got to pin a little bit of this on the Cincinnati Reds offense. We'll be talking about this with Jason in the second segment, but 5-0. to zero. Braves take down the Red Legs for the Red Legs. 0-4 with runners in scoring position. Two hits. 
Pitiful effort. Luis Castillo, tough luck loser. Five and a third innings. He winds up giving up one run. And then Rossio Iglesias just completely melted down in the eighth inning. He gave up a pair of home runs to the Atlanta Braves. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned for the Bravos. You had Mr. Marcel Ozuna and Adam Duvall both go yard off of Iglesias. And for Ian Anderson, this rookie continues to impress. Nine punch outs over the course of six innings. Gave up both hits. Will Smith, Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, all flawless innings from there. Didn't give up as much of a hit in their innings of relief, so they get the job done. You had to get a lot of relief in this decisive Oakland A's versus Chicago White Sox game. But in the end, it was the A's that were able to get a 6-4 win for the Chicago White Sox. Dane Dunning gives up two hits in the first inning and he immediately gets pulled for Garrett Crochet. Garrett Crochet was able to give the team two outs and then he winds up getting hurt. And then from there, Aaron Bummer, Cody Hewer, Carlos Rodon, Matt Foster, Evan Marshall, Jimmy Cordero, and Alex Colome all come into this game. And for the Chicago White Sox, you had one guy exceed 25 pitches. Evan Marshall with 45, the most pitches he had thrown in a game since 2017. If you want a comically bad managerial performance, that would be that from Rick Renneria. This was managing malpractice right here, and that's putting it politely. I mean, I think that I was going to get a phone call if they needed any more arms to see if I could throw 60 miles per hour to the Oakland A's. I mean, it was that bad. And for the Chicago White Sox, what else was bad was the amount of men that they left on base. 12 of them. Luis Roberts certainly did his part for the White Sox. He wound up hitting like a 480-some-odd foot shot off of Mike Fires his first of the postseason. And for Fires, well, he very nearly set Fires to this game, but he was pulled out just in time. He went and got five outs. He gave up five hits, walked one, but he only gave up that home run to our good buddy in Luis Robert. Yasmero Petit wound up getting four outs. He gave up two runs in the process. Frankie Montas gave two innings of relief, giving up one run in the process. And then J.B. Wendelkin, Lou Trevino, Jake Diekman, Joaquin Soria, and Liam Hendricks. And for Hendricks, he had thrown 49 pitches the day before, wind up being able to hold down the four for the Oakland A's and for the A's. Sean Murphy was able to get a home run off of Cody Hero, his first of the campaign. For the A's, they also leave 12 men on base, but they were walked so many times in this one. Nine times that it really didn't make much of a difference. The White Sox walked in a pair of runs. Difference in the game. And then we saw some explosive offense out there in the great city of San Diego. The Padres come back on the St. Louis Cardinals. 11-9 the final for the St. Louis Cardinals. They had it going early. Colt Wong was oh so right off of Zach Davies. His first home run of the postseason. Paul Goldschmidt in the ninth inning tried to make things interesting. He took Trevor Rosenthal deep. His second in two games of this series. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, you expected a little bit more length out of him. He gave up two runs over the course of three and a third innings. But left with the bases loaded. Austin Gomber had to get him out of a jam. Ryan Hazley wound up giving the team a solid inning, but then Genesis Cabrera, he gives up two runs while recording just an out. Giovanni Gallegos, he was unable to get the job done. He got two outs, but he gave up two runs in the process. And then Daniel Ponce de Leon, along with Gallegos, both gave up two home runs apiece. You then also had coming out of the bullpen to give up a run. Cody Whitley, as for the San Diego Padres, this was just an offensive slugfest late in this game. A combined seven runs in the sixth and seventh innings. Manny Machado goes deep. Will Myers gets two home runs. You had Fernando Tatis Jr. also get two home runs. And then negated the fact that Zach Davies did not give a good start in this one. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of two innings. Padres from there go with an inning out of Pierce Johnson. 
Adrian Modahone winds up coming in for Foros. He's a candidate to give this team some length in Game 3. Garrett Richards is certainly going to be giving this team something in Game 3. He wound up coming in for just three pitches. Matt Stram gave up a run. He's got some starting experience. He won 24 pitches. You also wound up getting two outs out of Austin Adams. Who knows what his status is, but then from there, you get Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomerantz, and Trevor Rosenthal to give this team an inning. Rosenthal gave up that home run to Paul Goldschmidt, but he was able to get the job done and get this save. So we're going to have a Game 3 there. And what we're going to have next is an absolutely tremendous interview with one of my good buddies, Jason Reitowitz of Sportsbook Review. So we're going to be talking to him about some of the series that we see coming up and so much more with regards to the MLB postseason. And that is all on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peters. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peters, and it is great to be joined by our next guest. This man does a little bit of everything with SBR Sports Picks. That is code for Sportsbook Review. He also does a great job with things like Doc Sports, so many others. This is a man that he's done some NBA player props. Ever since the restart, he's been doing some MLB. He's diving into the NFL. And occasionally he gets in a nap. So this is a man that is working very hard. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. Last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z, as it is Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. And it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always appreciate the podcast and what you do. You do a great job, and I'm happy to be a part of it. It is always nice to have you aboard, as you do tremendous work as well. But speaking of a team that did not do tremendous work the last couple days, that'd be the Cincinnati Reds, the Atlanta Braves are going to be moving on as we're doing this podcast. It is to be determined as to who their opponent is going to be as we're doing it just after that series wrapped up. But what did you all see in this series? Because I saw an Atlanta Braves team that they certainly came on in the eighth inning of that game on Thursday to be able to take care of the Cincinnati Reds. But this is almost one in which it's hard to get a little bit of a read on the Atlanta Braves. We knew that they had a good bullpen and things like that, but I don't think I've ever seen a team score zero runs for an entire playoff series. Yeah, it was interesting for sure. <laughs> the Reds had their chances. They had guys on third base with you know less than two outs, even guys on you know on base with you know two outs, but couldn't get the job done. The offense was pretty good coming into the playoffs, so it was pretty interesting to see them kind of just you know take the series off. Going in, we knew that they had the pitching to face anyone. That pitching with Bauer and Castillo was going to give them the chance to, you know, go on to potentially the World Series if they were able to get that point. But of course, when you can't score a single run in one game at 13 innings and the other at nine innings, you can't score a single run. There's no chance you're going to be able to win the game. So great starting pitching performances from everyone in that series was a lot of fun. The Reds just couldn't score runs with runners in scoring position. And that was the theme of the entire series. And it certainly is interesting what we're seeing in the National League because I think we'd all agree that the LA Dodgers, by far the leaders in the clubhouse when it comes to that series as we're doing this podcast right now. We have no idea how game two of Brewers versus LA Dodgers went, but I mean, if the Brewers wind up forcing a game three, I certainly do salute them. But if you're taking a look at the National League, is there any team that you think might have a chance against the LA Dodgers? Because... There was one team I thought going into the playoffs might have a chance, and this was more or less a week or so ago before we knew about the injuries, and that'd be the San Diego Padres. But with the Nelson Lamette on the shelf along with Mike Clevenger, I felt like that really, I felt like that really went awry. And even though the Atlanta Braves have a good bullpen, the LA Dodgers had the top bullpen ERA out there in the National League. You've got all those guys, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager. 
I just think that it's an uphill battle, whoever they wind up facing in these future rounds. So that was the, the main thing going after the first round. If the Dodgers and the Padres were to win their series, they'd have to face each other, which means that one of those teams would have to be eliminated after the second round, which was kind of hard for me in terms of taking a futures bet on one of these teams to you know potentially go all the way because they'd have to meet each other in the postseason. And of course, you know, Clevenger, Lamette, you know, being out doesn't help, you know, the Padres case at all. I like Davies and I, I like what he could do for this team. Game three, there's Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. Not sure who the Padres would pitch. It makes you wonder, you know, what the Padres could throw out there in game three. I do think that the LA Dodgers certainly have such a good chance of being able to make the World Series right now as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast and we've been hearing it all year long. People clamoring for Dodgers versus Yankees because they really do think that those are the two teams that are the best out there in the American League. And as of right now, you certainly have to have the New York Yankees towards the top of the list. It's going to be very fascinating to see if it's going to be them or the Tampa Bay Rays that wind up surviving and advancing because with the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that is not going to put on the display that the New York Yankees did against Cleveland Indians. The Yankees were pumping out home run after home run. I mean, it just doesn't matter who's on the Yankees. They're able to find a way because you had Gio Urshela come up clutch in game two. Luke Voigt during the regular season at 22 home runs. Guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton back and forth. DJ LeMay, who was the batting league champion. But what the Tampa Bay Rays have is a bunch of nameless, faceless guys. Like your Aaron Loops, your Peter Fairbankses, Oliver Drakes. Guys like this that they're not flashy. They're not going to be coming out there and they're not going to be just going out guns blazing. But... They're able to give you an inning or two out of the bullpen. They all know their role, and they just do a crisp job with the fundamentals. I think it's going to be so fascinating to see what happens when these two square off. Right. So the Rays are actually like eight and two against the Yankees on the season, but it's hard to really, you know, say, you know, if the Rays are that much better than the Yankees. Of course, the Yankees had a ton of injuries. You no, know, like you said, the Rays are a fundamentally sound team. They do all the little things right. We saw during their series versus the Blue Jays getting home on third base with a small little wild pitch or a fast ball. So some really great fielding from the Rays and some really great pitching from the Rays against the Blue Jays, who were, were kind of a delusional team, being so young, not really knowing what to expect. And you know, some thought, well, maybe this team would perform well, but obviously the Blue Jays being young and talented, the young showed more than the talent in that series, and the Rays got the job done. But like you said, there's nobody in that Rays lineup that you could even – pick out from a group of people you wouldn't know what any of them looked like but this is a group that just does everything really well and they get the job done and that's what they've done all season long they certainly have a team that has not necessarily gotten the job done this year but is going to be going to the american league divisional series that'd be houston astros i'm not sure what your take has been on the houston astros but i was just quite honestly stunned that the minnesota twins wound up losing 18 straight postseason games and that is the worst stretch in the history of North American sports. It's just absolutely ridiculous what happened with the Minnesota Twins. I feel like the fact that they were able to win that series was a little bit more of an indictment on the Minnesota Twins rather than the Houston Astros. I'm not sure about you, but I think that this is an Astros team that is still very fraudulent, despite the fact that they wound up getting the job done in those two games, because if it wasn't for just a terrible error in the ninth inning against the Minnesota Twins in game one, who knows how that series winds up shaking out if you wind up going to extra innings because this is an Astros bullpen that they've somehow, some way, managed to find a way to get the job done. But I feel like it's only a matter of time before they get hit and they get hit hard. 
Yeah, so the Astros threw it, you know, Framber Valdez in one game, and they had some of their starters kind of go in there and get the job done. That might be something that, something that they'll end up doing, you know, going further on into the series. But in a longer series, now it's like, all right, we need Framber to start. You know, that would change a lot, right? So now you have actual bullpen guys coming in instead of some starters that, you know, perform, you know, well throughout the season. So it's going to be interesting. The Astros haven't really had much offense. They were just kind of lucky with solid pitching and a couple, you know, blue pits and errors and got the job done. You know, give them credit, you know, where it's due. But at the end of the day, they're not a great, you know, baseball team. Yeah, it certainly is going to be so interesting to see what's going to be happening with essentially these neutral field games when it comes to the next round of the postseason. As we do have Jason Reiterwitz joining me on the podcast. And Jason, just taking a look at what we've seen from this postseason in general. I still remember it was a big headline from the 2019 season in general. We remember the juice ball and then it felt like during the postseason the ball was dejuiced a bit. It wasn't flying out as far. I don't know about you but I feel like we've seen a little bit of something similar in this postseason. Now places like Minnesota the ball is going to be flying a little bit less in September and early October rather than it would in say July and August which is what we're all used to but I think there might be a little bit of something to what we're seeing this year, just like what we saw last year. Yeah, there's potential there for sure. I mean, nobody can really tell you. Otherwise, it's interesting because, you know, if you watch this White Sox Athletic Series, you're seeing a ton of balls hit hard. The Yankees-Indians series had a ton of balls hit hard. So I don't know what's up with the balls. It's really been interesting. It might just be some pressure on the bat. It could be just that, you know, the pitchers are a little bit more amped up for the playoffs. I don't know what's going on. It's an interesting little take there. But yeah, who knows at this point? Very big mystery at this point. And what else I think is just such a big mystery as well as everything that we've seen this postseason. And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly hoping that we do wind up getting a couple game series. But as we're taking a look to the divisional round of the playoffs, I really do think that the one that's going to have the biggest impact when it comes to who wins the World Series is the Yankees and the Rays. I'm not sure if you have a little bit of a take on this that is different than mine, but I feel like whoever wins that series most likely is going to be going to the World Series. I think whoever winds up taking that series, it's going to be them and the Dodgers, assuming they wind up surviving and advancing. That is going to be the front runners for the World Series. Who doesn't want to watch, you know, a ton of, you know, 10-9 games like we watched in that Yankees-Indians finale? Who doesn't want to watch that? You know, obviously there's a place in baseball for those 13-inning scoreless games like the Braves had with the Reds earlier. But who doesn't want to watch some crazy good offensive power from the Yankees? I think I'm going to root for the Yankees. And I'm so glad that you brought up the phrase crazy good because that's exactly all the work that you do, Jason. You do a crazy good job of taking a look at the MLB. The NFL is back in our lives, and you're doing a great job of breaking down that. You've done some work when it comes to the NBA as well. College basketball is coming up November 25th, and... I know you're someone that you're going to be diving into that as well. So let the good people at home know where they're able to know where they're able to follow you on social media, just what you're all working on in general as well. Of course. So you can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. We're doing a ton of sports, every sport, college football, WNBA going on, but that's almost over. But also the NFL, the MLB, of course, the KBO still going strong in that. I know you and I are both going yes. strong with that. It's been a wild ride in the KBO. It's been a lot of fun. We still have baseball even after the MLB, so that'll be fun. But, yeah, you can find me at Sportsbook Review, American Betting Experts, and Doc Sports. I do a ton of stuff for all of these wonderful sites, a ton of baseball, NFL, college football, 
NBA, all that kind of content. You can find any of those sites. And Jason does a great job breaking down a little bit of everything. As you heard, KBO, NFL, college basketball is going to be coming back into our lives and so much more. And it's always great to get him on this podcast. So big thanks to Jason Radowitz for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time they give you a side total on every game on the board for Friday. And a little something like call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Jason Radowitz of Sportsbook Review, a.k.a. SBR, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you a signed total on what is going to be a very bare Friday MLB betting board and something you like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. I typically give the disclaimer that do nothing, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1. There's really not going to be too many changes to be made because we've only got two games. One of these games has absolutely no numbers on it whatsoever, so instead of any changes, I just say any picks are made on these games, check back out my Twitter feed at JRSCordy1. So that is the way that it's going because we've only got two of them. We're going to be going into Las Vegas rotation order as per usual. And if this first one sounds a little bit familiar, well, it probably should. 971, 972 on the betting board. We've got the Chicago Cubs, and they're going to be playing host to the Miami Marlins. Sixto Sanchez goes for the Marlins. Meanwhile, you Darvish is on the bump for the Cubs. As we're seeing it right now, the money line of the Cubs anywhere between minus 190 and seeing as high as minus 203. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Miami Marlins. You're going to be finding that as low as a plus 170, as high as a plus 180. I am seeing one total out there on Bet Online that is a 7 with the under at minus 120 and the over at even. I was leaning towards the under a little bit on this game yesterday, but this is a situation which I might be taking a look at the over if we wind up getting the wind blowing out a little bit more. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting situation because I I do think that Sanchez has been figured out a little bit more. His first couple starts of the year were very dynamic, but you take a look at what he's done recently. In his last two starts, he has went a combined seven innings, giving up nine runs. Not necessarily terrific. His walks in that time span really shot up as well. He gave out, I believe, six walks in those two starts. Prior to that, he was giving up right around a walk and after nine innings. Meanwhile, Darvish, he had a little bit of a rough stretch towards the middle of September. He wound up closing out the regular season strong with seven scoreless against the Chicago White Sox. Now for the Cubs, this is a team that is scoring the fewest runs per game at home so far this year. It has not necessarily been terrific for them. And you take a look at this lineup, you just have had a bunch of guys that they haven't lived up to their billing because the guys that have really come through for them, Ian Apple wound up getting the lone run for the team in game one of the series. He was able to hit a solo home run. He's hitting right around at 260 for the campaign. You had Jason Kipnis doing a solid job. He wound up seeing a little bit of a sink with his batting average, but still a 341 on base. And then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of a guy like a Victor Carantini, Wilson Contreras. These guys hitting right in the neighborhood of 240, 250-ish. But then you've got Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, David Bodie, Nico Horner, Billy Hamilton. All hitting a 225 or lower. I mean, that is just inexcusable. And for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that they've been able to get quite a bit out of their offense. Guys like Garrett Cooper, Jesus Aguiar, hitting in the neighbor of a 280. Miguel Rojas has been hitting more in the neighbor of about a 300 all year long. He's been doing a great job of being able to get on base. You've even gotten something out of guys like John Birdie, Matt Joyce, Corey Dickerson, hitting in the neighbor of a 250. But losing Starling Marte, I think, is absolutely massive. This is someone that 
was able to give the team two hits in that game one win against the Chicago Cubs. Now, I do recognize that coming into the postseason, he had been a little bit cold with just one hit in his previous four games, but I think that that is going to be a little bit of a blow. Now you're going to have to look to a guy like Monte Harrison, who I still remember hitting a buck 55 when he was with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in 2015. That will never leave my mind. I mean, that was absolutely terrible, but with that said, you are going to need to rely upon him a little bit more. And when you take a look at these bullpens, going into the postseason in the month of September, Miami Marlins, fourth worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues, ERA north of six, Chicago Cubs, number one bullpen ERA in the month of September, ERA south of a 2.85. So I'm taking a look at the Cubs in this spot, and I do think that Sanchez might get lit up a little bit. You take a look at this Miami Marlins bullpen, you got guys like Brad Boxberger, Yimi Garcia, Brandon Kitzler. They're not great. They're not awful. But I think that this is where the Cubs bounce back. I do have a feeling that this is a total that at 7 is just set a little bit too low. When I was doing this podcast yesterday, I just thought we would be getting an 8 in this game. That clearly was not the case. So if we're seeing a 7, I'm probably going to be taking it over. I'm certainly going to be taking the Cubs most likely on the run line. That currently has no number up for the run line. And then we've got 977, 978 because 973, 974 was supposed to be Braves and Reds. Well, the Reds didn't score a run all series. And for the Brewers, they're going up against the LA Dodgers. Well, congratulations to the Brewers on getting swept as we all expected. So 977-978, this is a game that currently has no numbers because we have no pitcher for the San Diego Padres who are playing against the St. Louis Cardinals. But we do know that it'll be Captain Jack Flaherty who will be on the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals. And honestly, I don't know what we're going to get out of Jack Flaherty in this era because he has went north of five innings once ever since the St. Louis Cardinals wound up coming down with COVID. Against teams not named the Pittsburgh Pirates, he did not exceed five innings in any of his starts all year long. This is a man that posted up a 491 ERA, 4-3 record. I think two of those wins wound up coming up against the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates. So this is someone that when he's faced any team other than the Pittsburgh Pirates, he has struggled all year long. For the San Diego Padres, I thought they would maybe save someone like an Adrian Motajon to be able to make this start. He wound up being used in long relief for the San Diego Padres in their win yesterday. You wound up having come out of the bullpen Garrett Richards, but he was only used for three pitches. I think you might be able to use Garrett Richards in the spot if you're the Padres, but certainly a horse apiece situation. You don't have Denelson Lamette. You certainly don't have Mike Clevenger, so that leaves you at a little bit of a horse apiece situation. I mean, I'm right now having to pull out the roster and seeing who might be the starter. Matt Stram has some starting experience. He wound up getting used up yesterday. You gotta think it's probably gonna be like Garrett Richards, Andre and Marta home giving this team a couple innings. And then from there, it just becomes a mad dash to try to get innings out of guys like Drew Pomerantz and company. So you're not in a good spot there. Now with the St. Louis Cardinals, this is a team that they actually have been able to turn it on with their offense in this series. They were able to play seven runs in game one, nine in game two. But we also know this, the San Diego Padres, despite the fact that they went a little bit cold towards the middle slash end of September, they seem to have found it. Fernando Tatis Jr., those two home runs that he winds up hitting in game two, absolutely massive. The two home runs from Will Myers. That gets him going. Jerickson Profar towards the back half of the year has been absolutely masterful for this team. Jake Cronenworth wound up hitting right around to 290 during the regular season. Trent Grisham does not have a hit in the series, but he's been doing a good job of being able to get on base as well. And then when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, you've obviously got your Wiley veterans. You wound up having Yadier Molina be able to come up big for this team in the first two games. He's hitting a 500 for the series. Paul DeYoung has come to life a little bit. Paul Goldschmidt, two home runs in this series already. He had an on-base percentage worth of 400 during the regular season. Tommy Edmund, Colton Long during the regular season. We're doing a good job of getting on base. Despite being just 
absolutely poopy during the regular season. Matt Carpenter, whip below the Mendoza line during the regular season. He's been able to find a little bit of something in this series as well. And you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. It's not like their bullpen is in great shape. Austin Gomber won their longer relievers. He wound up getting used up in Game 2 along with Daniel Ponce de Leon. And Ponce de Leon got absolutely shelled. Yeah, I think that John Gant is going to be available for the team. Giovanni Gallego, so one of their better relievers. He was used up for 20 pitches. I think we could see a scenario like the White Sox versus the Oakland A's game. If you're seeing a total that is below 8.5, I'm probably going to be taking a look at it over at 9. Then I might start entertaining the under. When it comes to a money line price, I mean, there's just no telling what you're going to get in this one. I mean, if you're getting the Padres at a nice plus price, I think I would take a shot on guys like Garrett Richards, Adrian Motohone and company, just because I don't have any faith in Jack Flaherty whatsoever. But that's one in which you got to check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JRS41 because we have absolutely no idea what the Padres are going to throw out there. And that's also where you're able to fire in a Twitter question when it comes to this podcast, Baseball Bang Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. And if you like what you're hearing from this podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, you're able to give me a little bit more exposure, make it a little bit easier for me to do what I do on a daily basis. So I do appreciate it. And I just appreciate you guys in general tuning in, as well as our guest Jason Radowitz of Sportsbook Review for joining me in the second segment. Hope you're all safe, hope you're doing well. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.